Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Our guest for today's episode is my sweet friend, Jordan Soderholm. Jordan is the fashion director at ABLE, which is an amazing lifestyle brand focusing on ending generational poverty through providing job opportunities for women. Isn't that awesome? I just love the work they're doing. In today's conversation, Jordan is going to teach us how we can use our unique skills and interests to serve God and His people. I am so excited for you guys to get to hear from her. Jordan's going to tell us all about her work in the fashion industry, and she's also going to teach us how to cultivate a stylish and sustainable wardrobe, and she's going to show us how we can use things like our wardrobe and our next shopping trip to change women's lives. Yes, and amen to that. But before we dive in, there's a resource I wanted to tell you about, and it answers one of the most common questions I'm asked when it comes to the topic of relationships. The question is, how do I know when I'm ready to start dating? This is such an important decision. It's also a really hard one to make, and that's why I created a resource to help. It's a free quiz, and it's called, Are You Ready to Start Dating? And in it, I will help you ask and answer the 10 questions we should all think through before we jump into a relationship. If you go to my Instagram, I'm at Wilson on Instagram, and click the link in my profile, you'll be able to download a copy of the quiz for free. I cannot wait to share this with you. Okay, with that said, let's jump into this episode. Here is my conversation with Jordan. Okay, friends, I am so excited for who I get to introduce you to today. I'm sitting here with my dear real-life Nashville friend, Jordan Soderholm. Jordan, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored and stoked to just hang out with you. I know. I know. Jordan came over to my house. We're actually here in person in Nashville, which doesn't always get to happen um, in our interviews on the show. We actually live down the street from each other, which I love. And it's just a huge gift to get to hang out with you in real life this morning. Just a bonus time. Yes, I'm so stoked. Okay, so Jordan, I I am so excited to hear just everything you have to share with us today. Tell us, give us some context to start out. Tell us who you are, what you do, and then I've given you fair warning about this fun fact. (laughs) I have no idea what you're about to share. Okay, well, (laughs) so I'm Jordan, and... I work at ABLE. I'm the fashion director at ABLE. So I, you know, have been doing that since college, which is so fun. Yeah. I'm married to my husband, Steve. He's really wonderful. Um, Plugged in in a really wonderful church here in Nashville. I have just a a great community here. We have a little puppy named Clooney who like dominates our life a little bit because (laughs) he's the baby. Um, And... Yeah. Am I missing anything? I don't think so. No, that's it. And oh, my fun fact. Yes, your fun fact. So I really deliberated on this. One thing, you know, I'm really, Steve told me to say that I'm obsessed with Justin Timberlake and like nothing gets me to cry except for when I see him on TV. But that's not my fun fact because that's not that uncommon. We have to pause. That's not (laughs) uncommon. Um, I distinctly remember going to a Justin, first of all, Justin Timberlake I feel like everyone listening, just, you know, you know yeah. what your boy band was mm-hmm. growing up and maybe still now. He was mine. And then also, and then who your person was in the boy band. Yeah. Mine a hundred percent was NSYNC and a hundred percent was Justin Timberlake. Yeah. And I've seen him in concert 
twice, I think, in my life. And I absolutely cried both times. Oh, I like played those games when I was younger. Like Justin Timberlake was my husband and we had this baby and I was like calling people on a fake cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, if it's you're tough. doing those, like a mat, either mash where you're oh, decide every he's time. on there all the time. Twice. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're like, can I do Justin twice? <laughs> Just, or the little, what are they called? Cootie catcher things yes. where you fold the paper and you, yes. I'm doing this with my hands. And every single one. No one can. On there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No one can see what I'm doing, but they know yeah. what I'm doing. Um, okay. So Justin Timberlake, glad we have that. In yeah. Common. He has a house in Nashville, I know, right? I know. I'm playing it really cool, but I, you know, potentially have driven around where I think it might be, but <laughs> I <didn't know. laughs> not that often, just once. Just like once. Just once. I do know there are a couple people that I just would maybe pee my pants on the spot mm-hmm. if I saw them in the wild mm-hmm. and he's one of them. Yeah. Just when my face gets red and I get hot and teary eyed, I think I'm kind of doing it right now. It's so embarrassing. Like if there's an award show on and he is like all of a sudden, you know, surprise appearance, I'm like, silence the room. (laughs) Give me my moment. Don't stand in front of me. Don't talk. Like it's, it's intense. What did you do during, was it the Grammys when he performed with Chris Stapleton? That's actually the moment I'm thinking of. I had uh, Steve, I don't think I was married at that point, but Steve was there and, um, my friend Jordan and we're all sitting there casually watching. And I just like, I'm hot. They're, They're both watching me like, what is happening? This is like a physical like <laughs> response. Like, but I'm just like sweating and crying a little bit. I'm like, I don't know. It just is emotional, you know? It was okay. That performance, I think, could make even the hardest heart yeah. hearted person cry or move yeah. to the south or something. It was anyway. Yeah. Okay. So if that's not your fun fact, what is your fun fact? Okay, so also musically related, but I grew up doing musical theater, like all I mean, I did no sports. I'm not athletic at all, but I was involved in every single music thing at my school. So, you know, choir, ensemble, musical theater, and at church. But I was Annie when I was younger. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. cute. And it was so fun. I had like, I was, you know, like four foot tall, like nothing. And just this little like twig. And I had this massive red wig (laughs) and my mom like made all the costumes because, you know, seventh grade musical on a budget. We just, you know, made the costumes. Do what you can do. Yes. Um, But it was pretty, it was pretty epic. That I I have to tell you, if I didn't love you so much, I would absolutely ask you to sing Oh my God. This will come out tomorrow right now. But I love you, so I'm not going to make you do that. It's been a while. I need to warm up. Jordan's like, Yeah. Me, me, me. (laughs) Okay. Well, both of those fun facts are amazing. (laughs) I love knowing those things about you. So Jordan, to give everyone some context, you said you work at ABLE, and this is really on topic for what we're going to be talking about today. And really quick, I wanted to just tell you why it was so important to have, to me, to have you on the show today. It's really pretty selfish, really, Um, because when I was first becoming a Christian, a lot of the women listening know my story. It's all in the lipstick gospel. If you don't know the story, it's all in my book. But I became a Christian really late in college, and when I met Jesus, I was all in and still am. Um, And 
the first thing that I, kind of the first struggle that I came against was what am I supposed to do with my life now? I had studied journalism in college and all of a sudden my heart was being like totally enveloped by this new love for God and a desire to serve him. And I didn't know how to reconcile the gifts that I'd been given, Mm -hmm. the path I'd been walking down and this new desire to serve the Lord, I didn't know how to combine those things. And I remember talking to a mentor that I had at the time telling her, I didn't think I could be a journalist anymore, um, which I, I sort of gave that up. And I guess we've kind of almost full circle. Full we're, circle. Yeah, we're sitting here With in front of a microphone. Yes, uh, full circle. But I, I didn't think that I could continue using the gifts that I'd been cultivating and tending for so long because they didn't feel churchy enough mm-hmm. to me. They didn't feel like what a Christian is supposed to do. I felt like I was supposed to be a children's pastor or a <laughs> college pastor or uh, some other kind of pastor. Right. Um, or, you know, be in mission, do missions or something like that, which all of those things are amazing. I've worked in churches, I've done missions. But what that woman told me in that moment was she said, Stephanie, God needs people. God uses people in all kinds of spheres with all kinds of skill sets. And the example she used really resonated with me at the time, especially because I was studying journalism. But she said, Steph, who in the world gets to tell someone like Katie Couric about Jesus? Right. Who gets to tell someone like that about him? Um, Who gets to love her and be there for her? I mean, we need people in all kinds of spheres with all kinds of gifts. And God can use us in so many different ways. And that was so helpful to me Mm -hmm. to know that serving the Lord and serving His kingdom is not one size fits all. And that if you have a job that's quote unquote, and I'm like heavily quote unquote secular, that doesn't mean that you don't get to serve the Lord. That, That if all of us were in ministry, if all of us worked for a church, there would be no one to love people as they're going into surgery or as they're trying to buy a house or as they're, you know, no one to love kids as they're teaching them. So anyway, I have become totally obsessed with getting to hear women's stories and getting to encourage women in the gifts that God has given them and in the spheres of influence that he's placed them in to really thrive and and also serve him in ways that we just normally don't think of. And so that's why I'm so excited to have you here because I think that we, when we think of what a good like church girl job is, fashion is not anywhere on the list. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what you have proven and what Abel has proven is, I mean, you guys are serving the Lord and his people in such beautiful ways through style and really beautiful clothing, which I can't wait to talk about. But anyway, so that's my selfish reason that I'm so happy to have you on the show because I just, I'm, I'm just over the moon about getting to collect stories of women who are serving the Lord in ways that we just don't immediately think of so that the rest of us can hear that our skill set matters too, and and that there's a place for us. So all that to say, tell us about Abel. Okay. So that was an amazing introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I feel really similarly about you. Um, But okay. So Abel is a lifestyle fashion brand with the mission of ending generational poverty by creating jobs and opportunity for women. So since the very beginning, we've always been about women. Um, so we started as a nonprofit known as Fashionable, and we worked in this small community of women in Ethiopia. And those women were coming out of the commercial sex industry. They um, didn't have any other opportunity, which is why they are in the commercial sex industry. And so we, our founder, Barrett, is just um, wonderful. And he had been living there and was like, you know what, I'm seeing this issue. Literally, you know, you can drive around in Ethiopia at night and they're just 
masses of women. I've seen this with my own eyes. And you're like, what's going on? <laughs> they're all hanging out, but they're all prostituting themselves. And um, it's it's hard to ignore when you're there. And so he saw scarves in the marketplace and was like, what are these? And men typically made scarves in Ethiopia, but um, you know, he brought them back here and there was a market for them. And so he started creating jobs with women making scarves and that eventually spiraled into leather bags and shoes and apparel, denim. And the goal for us is to be the place that you can come to buy anything that you need, um, but you can know that it's ethically made with women in mind. And um, those women are making fair wages. We just published our lowest wage for our manufacturers here in Nashville and just trying to make sure that the industry changes and, and starts to shift and think about the people that are in the industry making your clothes, not just yourself and right. what you want. Yeah. So loaded question, but that's a little bit about Able. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I have a million follow-up questions. Tell us quickly, how did you, how did you get into this? You said that you started in college. What was it about fashion? How, what did your path look like to picking a career like this? Well, I grew up loving fashion. I have a really glam grandmother who just dresses to the nines. Like she is epic. Um, I was wearing a sweater yesterday and everyone was like, what is that? It's my grandmother's it's casual. That is yeah. amazing. She's, she's amazing. Um, I hope that she gets to hear this, but yeah, so she was always into, to fashion. And of course my, you know, my mom is really cool too. And I grew up liking fashion, but I think it was more of a, you know, I want new things. It was that kind of yeah. desire too. And, um, so when I was in college, I was in the business school at Belmont and I, wanted a job in fashion. So I told all my professors, uh, that that's what I needed. And so literally like I would walk into a class and they'd be like, Oh, are you the fashion girl? I'm like, yes. <laughs> so you like I, put it out there. Yeah. I put it out there. Um, and so all my professors knew and Belmont's incredible. I just had good relationships there. They all knew me and knew I was looking for that. So, um, th they were all just funneling jobs my way. And, you know, I had big aspirations for like New York, work for Vogue or, you know, some massive fashion brand. And one of my professors was like, hey, I've got this guy you got to meet. He started a nonprofit. It's called Fashionable. You want to be in fashion? And I was like, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not what I was thinking. Um, but I met Barrett and, you know, the rest is, is kind of history. I've worked for fashionable I, or able now. Um, I was a wardrobe stylist, um, worked for a couple of my friends, consider the wildflowers, an amazing jewelry company here in town. And so, yeah, I've got my hands in a lot of different things now back at able and doing the thing. What does your position look like? So I'm the, the fashion director. It's an interesting position. A lot of people can't really pinpoint it. But what it is, is I work with our design team. So I give like an initial vision for the season. This is what I'm seeing. These are the, the color palettes I'm seeing. These are the little details, the fabrics. And then they are incredibly talented, come up with all the designs, but I'm, I'm, um, walking with them through that whole process. 
And it is so fun. It's creative collaboration always. And then I'm working with our marketing team to translate that vision to our consumers. So what's the story that we're telling? Why are we telling it? What's our customer going to think about it? How is she going to wear these clothes? How are we going to style them in shoots? So I'm on shoots. Um, and then, you know, working with our merchandise planners on the, the buys, they kind of have that in the bag. They're great at that, but, you know, just making sure we're focusing on the right things. And so that is amazing. I feel like a little bit you're speaking another language. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. I, I feel like a lot of, I, I'm following, but I just, I've, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before. Fashion, you know, this is not my gift. I can get myself dressed. You look great though. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you <laughs> look great. I think the thing I've been learning is like classic is good. Yes. If it's been cool for like you won't regret 100 it. years, I'm just going to go uh-huh. with that and just collect lots of white and gray and things like that. So yes, I can get myself dressed in the morning, but um, I feel like I know so little about the fashion industry and, right. and I'm so I'm amazed by you. Um, you. I also have to say, I am a huge fan of one, what you guys are doing, but two, I love... I, I love your products and you know this. I, I frequent your, your yeah. flagship store more than I maybe should <laughs> when it comes to my budget because your leather goods, like the tote I carry all of my um, work stuff in is is able. I just gave a tote to my sister-in-law for Christmas. Um, I have a dress that I, Carl was like, are you going to wear that again? <laughs> um, so comfy it was, and easy. So comfy. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I just love what you guys are doing. And I, I think that it's really special because I think sometimes there are companies that are working with women overseas, but sometimes the the things, the products that come back aren't necessarily things that we would choose yeah. that fit in with sort of our Western style. It's more like, this looks like something that I brought back from a market in another country, which is <laughs> so cool, but it's not necessarily something yeah. that you'd pick up in, in a store that you'd shop in here. Mm-hmm. But you guys have bridged that gap in such a beautiful way where it's like stuff that you are dying to wear, period, but you also can feel really good about the products and where they come from. Thanks. Yeah. That's, that's the goal for me. And, you know, it's interesting as we grow, when we started out, it was like, we had, you know, a little aesthetic that we had to stick to because of our capabilities. And as we've grown, we, you know, our manufacturing partners are so talented and we're growing in the way that, you know, we can meet even more of those essential needs. But to me, it's like, that's the most sustainable way to create this business is to be creating things that are classic that you're going to need for your day to day, not just some like adorable, but, you know, maybe less practical bracelet or little tote bag that you have for like a year and then falls apart or you're tired of the crazy print or whatever. So thanks. That's, that's the goal. Well, it's, it's really true. One other thing I wanted to mention is I was poking around on your guys' website, which again, I do more than I, more than I should. <laughs> um, and I found a statistic and, and when you guys were talking about ending poverty, mm-hmm. you were talking about investing in women and there was yeah. a specific reason. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So when you invest in a woman, she invests that money back into her family. So this is, Uh, kind of baffling, but when you invest in a woman, their economies and communities thrive because they're typically investing twice as much as when you invest in a man. So 80% of their income versus like 30 to 40% um, that a man would be investing. And that means that when they're paid 
a wage, a living wage. They're able to meet their basic needs and they're able to provide safety for their family and health and education. So there, that um, effect, you know, continues on for generations to come. So that's why we do what we do. We've learned that fashion is, you know, we're, we're in this business. So we're like, how can we make an impact? But when you really look at it, this is one of the best ways to make an impact on global poverty and the lives of women around the world. Because when you're, when you're, when women are thriving, Mm -hmm. they're investing twice as much of their wages back into their family and their community. So the kids thrive and the community thrives. Right. Um, They're able to eat a meal that nourishes them well and they're able to send their children to school for the first time maybe yeah and they're able to educate them so that they can have jobs like their moms do so it's like a huge it's a huge ripple effect you're taking mm-hmm. care of the like hunger a hunger crisis you're taking care of um education you're doing yeah. all these things by taking care of the mama yeah and paying attention to you know what their their work environment's like what their wages like that's just so so important so you're mentioning, you know, living wages and you're mentioning um, working environments and that this is a really amazing way that we can make an impact on the world. I know that we could talk about this for a million years, but I just want to give a quick rundown. What is the opposite of this look like? Like, what is the reality of the fashion industry? Because mm-hmm. you guys are doing things so differently, differently from from what? Give us just kind of a yeah. quick snapshot. So fashion really has a, a labor and an environmental crisis going on right now. So first of all, we are buying 400% more clothes now than 20 years ago, but we're paying one fifth less. So, I mean, that doesn't even add up. So basically, you know, 20 years ago, we paid X amount and we bought less clothes and now we're paying way less and we're, you know, buying 400% more. That is baffling to me. So we're basically, what that tells me is we're buying a lot. We're just consuming stuff that maybe we don't even care about and we're not paying enough for our product. And so there are these laborers around the world who are not able to meet their basic needs because we have decided to pay as little as we can for what we're buying. And, and that's the reality of it. And it's, um, it's really sad. And then the environmental part of that, you know, fashion contributes to such waste because people are buying things that they don't need. And then also, you know, the way you're creating the fashion, um, it's, you know, it's littering and polluting areas and it's just, um, it's not healthy. So for us, we, are able, we're seeing ourselves as a social justice organization as well, not just a fashion business. And we want to address these things head on. We want to make sure that our workers are treated fairly and they're compensated well and kept safe. And um, sustainability is something that we're going to be looking at too. I think it's really important. And the good news is a lot of companies are starting to realize this. Yeah. So it's not something to be like, oh, (laughs) you know, it's not hopeless. I think people are are waking up and our generation is speaking up about what's important to them. And I think people and the environment are both really important to people. I love that. Yeah. It's, um, you know, you were saying that in Ethiopia, it's really easy to see like with your own eyes, uh, the problems that are going on, um, especially with women. And actually I did a trip to Cambodia 
um, maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, it was just sort of a vision trip. And I remember I was in um, a couple small villages and you would see in the first thing in the morning, these giant trucks showing up and they had, they were sort of like, they were bigger than a flatbed truck. It almost looked like something you would fill with like sand or rocks or something like that, but they would show up empty and then they would drive out of town and they had women in them and everyone was standing up in the truck mm. and they were, it was almost like you were at a Justin Timberlake concert. Like yeah. you were like, like person to person, people on both oh sides, gosh. like touching each other and going so, to work, going they- to work. And they were going to work at factories mm. for fashion brands. And what the the people we were working with told us is that a lot of the, the brands that we buy all the time are, are the clothes that they're making. And the thing that was so crazy is we were visiting the families and we found out that when the mom, you know, when agriculture isn't working out or when they don't have the, um, when they're not able to provide for their families in other ways, that's when they go work at the factories, but the, the factories aren't in town. They're far away, which means mom's gone, which means the kids can't go to school because they have to take care of each other or they have to work right. in the, in the fields to be able to gather enough food to feed the family. And so it's, it's exactly what you're saying, but I got to see sort of the opposite is when you take mom out of the picture and she's working, mm-hmm. you know, 12 hour days in a factory where the conditions are terrible, the whole rest of the family falls apart and they're still not even making enough to take care of their family. Right. It was just a really crazy thing to see just yeah. truckloads of women being carted out of town yeah. so that they could go make. I didn't clothes. know that story about you. I, that's insane. I, I think, um, I saw a movie called true cost. Yeah. And it's a documentary about the issues in the fashion industry. And I think if you, if anyone wants to learn more, that one kind of stopped me in my tracks and it woke me up to, okay, this is the issue, but also empowered me to change the way I'm thinking about fashion. Yeah. And I watched that last year and I've been, you know, at ABLE for years and years. So I bet you went to work the next Oh, forever with just like a fire. Oh yeah. (laughs) Everything changed. I was like, you know, taking notes avidly and, um, I still reference them, but that's a great resource. If you know, you're curious about the realities in the environment and with people in the fashion industry. So the reason I love this though, is because, you know, we started out and, and my heart for this whole conversation is talking about ways that we can make a difference in the world that are sort of unconventional. Like we think, okay, send money to Ethiopia and right. you'll, you know, you'll solve problems or whatever. It's, we, we don't know how to help. We see problems. We don't know how yeah. to help. And we think that we may not have the skill sets to make a difference or that this thing we care about fashion, which so many, I mean, one, we all have to get dressed in the morning unfortunately. (laughs) That's so weird. It makes it sound like I want to be naked. (laughs) Daniel, take that out. We all have to get dressed in the morning. So it's something we all have to think about. We all have to engage in. And it's something that so many of us love and enjoy. So the thing that I think is so cool is that with this thing that sometimes we write off as frivolous or selfish, we can actually use that thing to make a difference. And so what are some like manageable like not change your whole life all in one day because right. those things get really overwhelming. What are some some manageable things that we can do to make a difference in women's lives through our fashion choices? Yeah, so... I can't even believe, believe I get to say that. That's really cool. Like yeah. next time you go shopping, which is really fun, yeah. how can we make a difference in women's lives? What are some tangible things we can do? Well, the easiest thing to do is just pay attention to the brands you're shopping and maybe be a little bit more thoughtful about you know, where you're going first. If you need a new t-shirt or a new pair of jeans, there's certain bigger stores, maybe 
you know, start smaller and start paying attention to what the brand is about. Are they being transparent about their manufacturing or are they, you know, publishing their wages or what, what are they telling you about creating those products? I think it's really helpful and you'll see pretty quickly, you know, there's like a lens you can kind of filter brands through just doing that. And can you give us, I don't, I I don't want to ask you to like throw brands under the bus. Can you tell us, give us some examples? I know y'all are doing an amazing job. Can you tell us like maybe a couple other places that instead of pointing us not to go, maybe point us in a direction where we should go? For sure. So, you know, here locally, there's um, Nisolo. That's really wonderful. Patrick and his team. Nisolo are shoes, right? They're shoes. And yeah. They're, they're made gorgeous. in Peru. Yeah. They're gorgeous. And I just, it's, it's better when we're together and we're like really big fans of them. And then um, Elizabeth Suzanne here in Nashville, she, it's a, you know, a different kind of ethical fashion, but she's like a, a slow fashion advocate. So that means that she has her entire team in her warehouse there. You know, when you order your shirt, it's going to take two to four weeks probably, or maybe two weeks, whatever, to to produce it. Because they're producing it right there. They're producing it on demand and they're not making it in mass. They've got a really great working environment and things like that. I respect those two brands here in Nashville so much. Everlane, of course, is wonderful if you um, just want to you know, do a wallet friendly way. Like that is a great affordable company. Kuyana is a company that, you know, promotes wearing, buying less things, fewer, better things is their tagline. And I think that's pretty brilliant as well. So there's some really cool brands out there that are doing this in a lot of different ways. So no matter how you dress, what your aesthetic is, there's some cool places that you can shop. I love that. And guys, we'll link to all those things. We always do this, yeah. just so you know, if you're new to Girls Night, we always have show notes and we always link to everything that we talk about so that you don't have to be in your car trying to write this stuff. Yeah, right yeah. So go, go to the show notes. You can find them at stephaniemaywilson.com um, and we'll have all those links there for you. Um, Jordan, what do you think about renting clothes? I feel like that's been like- a, I think it's amazing. Do you? Tell, tell me more about that. So I think that's a good way to- if you're a person who likes really bold things and, but you get, I find that if I buy, you know, bold prints a lot, then I get tired of them pretty quickly yeah. versus a neutral color. So, um, I think that's a fun way to add in fashion pieces to your wardrobe, but then you trade it back in when you're done. So it's a way to be refreshing, but you know, I think, I actually don't know how this works, but does it, if you wear it and send it back in, then could you get, you know, my old stuff? I, could, I think they're sending the same yeah, yeah, yeah. things out to people. Yeah, I just yeah. think it's so amazing. It's helping eliminate waste yeah. from your closet. And yeah. yeah. Um, there, so Run the Runway is a huge one, which you guys, if you don't know about Run the Runway, you are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. If you take nothing else away, next time you go to a wedding, yes, next time you go to a wedding, don't buy a $200 dress that you're going to wear one time. Go to Run the Runway. They have some that are more expensive, um, some that are less expensive, but for like maybe 50 bucks, you can rent a dress. Um, They also have unlimited things where you can 
keep, I think you keep like four items all the time and you can send them back and cycle them through. And it's, you just pay a, like a set amount every month. So that's sort of your shopping budget, yeah. but you get to cycle in like really, really nice, really expensive brands yeah, and, and just cycle them in and, and you don't ever have to pay the full price yeah. for it. You just get to wear really great stuff and not worry about it's a great way to add some designer pieces. Like they've really stepped it up with the brands that they're working with. And, um, we partner with stitch fix too. Like yeah. they're really wonderful. All of those types of, um, does stitch fix, they don't rent though. Do they, they don't rent, but they will send you things that you can choose from. And they have started, doing more ethical brands cool. too, which is really cool. So it is cool. Yeah. People are waking up to this. I think it's really important to a lot of people. All, all of us shop. Yeah. <laughs> so people are, are coming up with different ways, like whatever your budget is, whatever your style is, you should be able to find little ways to make an impact here. So you said choosing our, our brands more intentionally, just asking more questions. Yeah. Um, what about, and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but when you're talking about waste and you're talking about, you know, how many that we're buying 400% more, more items now than we used to, to create, what is it? Tell us how to create like a sustainable wardrobe. And actually I want to say you did a 10, 10, 10 by 10, 10 by 10 challenge. Yeah. Tell us about that and how we can, there's a, I really love this. I want to, I want to hear more about yeah, it. So loaded question. So 10 by 10 was pretty amazing. We participated as a brand, um, but I basically took 10 items from my wardrobe and wore those same 10 items paired different ways for 10 days straight. So that is a challenge. Like if it were 11 by 11, maybe a little bit easier, but 10 by 10, it's that includes shoes. Ooh. <laughs> so it's. Please tell me that a pair is one. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine one shoe? I wouldn't, have, one shoe. I wouldn't have done as well. Um, but it's kind and of not under undergarments, right? No. Okay. And like, you know, bags don't count. And, and honestly, I think, you know, Lee and Caroline that came up with this whole thing, they're really chill about it. They're like, you know, if you have 11 in 10, that's okay. Just the, the concept is what we want you to understand. Yeah. But, um, I played by the rules and it was, it was kind of epic. I, um, at the end of it, I realized how much I have in my wardrobe that I don't need. I like it, but I don't necessarily need it. Yeah. And, um, I even, so one of the last days of the 10 by 10 was Halloween. And I was like, uh, is it cheat? We had a office Halloween costume. I was like, is it cheating if I, you know, do a, some other costume, but I made a Halloween costume out of my 10 by 10 too. How, what were you? I was Rosie the Riveter. Cause I have, like, I always wear denim. So I did a denim shirt and, you know, denim bottoms in my, um, 10 by 10 and, I was able to make it a Rosie the Riveter costume. That is amazing. amazing. Yeah. So I was like, I think I'm done. Mic drop. <laughs> I did it. Yeah. Success. Um, but it was incredible. And um, I think, you know, it, it taught me to choose the pieces in your wardrobe carefully. And I mean, really, if you're wanting to create a, a more ethical wardrobe, I think it's so important to start with what you have. Okay. Because your closet is full of amazing things. I, everyone's is you. I'm sure you have, everyone has great 
taste and, you know, different things that they like. And so a lot of your apparel is true to who you are. And so I think, you know, you can take a look at it and rethink about how you're wearing things because people kind of get in a rut and wear the same thing paired the same way. And they're so tired of what they're wearing. But instead of trying to freshen up your wardrobe and buying something new, you could take a look at it and pair things differently. And that's how I try to keep myself um, inspired and, you know, creatively stimulated by my wardrobe. That's a great way to start. Hey guys, I hope you are loving this conversation with Jordan as much as I am. Isn't she great? I wanted to pop in for one quick second to thank our sponsor for this week. Our sponsor for today's episode is an amazing company called Zola. Now, you guys have heard me talk about Zola before, but they're a wedding company who's reinventing the wedding planning and the registry experience. Now, I know that some of y'all are engaged right now, or you're dating someone in engagements just around the corner. I also know that lots of y'all are bridesmaids and maids of honor these days, helping your girlfriends and your sisters plan the best weddings possible. And so I just love getting to share Zola with you. A quick side note, my baby sister got engaged a few months ago and I am her maid of honor. I guess technically matron of honor? I don't know, whatever. And I've been helping her plan her wedding and my very first suggestion to her was that she sign up for Zola. It has been such a help to her already. I love what they're doing because for me, while getting engaged and planning our wedding was such a wonderful and fun experience, it was also totally overwhelming. Zola totally gets this and they've made it their mission to make this whole thing a whole lot easier. They offer free wedding websites, affordable save the dates and invitations, a wedding registry, and free easy to use wedding planning tools. You can conveniently manage everything online and all in one place, which saves you so much time as you plan this big day. They really have thought of everything. You can create a free wedding website through Zola in just minutes. There are over a hundred beautiful designs to choose from and every single one of them is free. You can customize them with your personal story, with your photos, everything. You can also simplify your wedding planning process even more by doing your registry through Zola. They have the widest selection of gifts with all different price points and 500 top brands, including Cuisinart, Airbnb, and Sonos. You can also create funds through your registry, funds for your honeymoon, a future home, a new puppy, anything you can think of. I have a feeling a new puppy fund might be on my sister's registry. And if you do register through Zola, your Zola registry will automatically integrate with your Zola wedding website which means that your guests can get all of the details they need and buy you a gift all in one convenient and beautiful place. Isn't that amazing? Guys, this is such a great resource if you're planning a wedding. The more I use Zola, the more I wish it had been an option when we got married. But it is for you and for your engaged girlfriends, so be sure to pass it along. To start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to zola.com slash Stephanie. That's Z-O-L-A, just in case you needed that spelled out, I would. Again, to start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola.com slash Stephanie. Zola, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We just love having you. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Jordan. So is part of building a sustainable wardrobe investing in pieces that you're going to have for a long time? Yeah. And and don't place too much emphasis on that because let's be honest, you know, your stuff, you're going to stain your white t-shirt eventually. And yeah. it if you paid $85 for it, you're going to die a little bit. <laughs> <stained>. <laughs> so it's like, you don't have to invest that 
hardcore, but I think, you know, it's important to look at the fabrics that you're putting into your wardrobe. Are you comfortable with them? in them? Are they going to last and hold up a long time? Really looking at things that will stand the test of time and investing in that way. And a great way to to buy things that are kind of your investment pieces is to shop in the off season. Ooh. Yeah. So like right now it's um, January. Yeah. And so you can shop all the fall and holiday stuff for like half the price. So you could buy that really nice silk blouse that you have been needing or something for work or a leather jacket. And it's like half the price and a little bit more wallet friendly. Yeah. So talk me through, like, if I just want to totally wrap my head around this, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to go to insert cheap store here Mm -hmm. to go buy a t-shirt, what's the, like, what are the ramifications of that? Like truly why I know you've sort of already, you've already said this, but I just want to hear it one more time. Yeah. Why does this matter? So, you know, we've kind of grown up thinking that it's so much smarter to go to mm, Target, you know, or something <laughs> like that for- We love, we love Target. <laughs> I love Target. Also, any of these places I mentioned, if you shop there, that is okay. I have things from all those big stores in my, in my wardrobe. Um, so it's not a guilt thing, but- If you go to a store, we're going to call it um, Target, and you buy a pack of t-shirts, like three for $14, the end of that, like the manufacturer is going to take the bulk of that money that you paid for the shirt. And so they're going to be shorting the workers, not themselves. They're going to try to get as much money for themselves as they can. So... When you buy, you know, one t-shirt for $36, you are able to pay the manufacturer and they are also able to pay the worker and they're able to make a living wage and uh, live a much better life, probably have way better working conditions because that manufacturer is um, valuing their employees. Does that make sense? Yes. So if you're buying a $14 three-pack, Maybe like Target gets, I'm, I have no Target idea gets like, you know, $4 or something. Yeah. Like half of that. And then, so we'll say that they get half of that. Then that leaves $7 for like the fabric, the shipping, the manufacturing. So we'll say, you know, shipping, there goes a dollar. That's $6. And then all that $6 goes to the manufacturer. Well, you have to pay for fabric. There's a dollar, $5 left. The manufacturer is going to take that money. I mean, from what I've seen and how we've worked, you know, manufacturers aren't always the most honest. Um, and so it's just a really, it's corrupt and it's not right. And, you know, I think brands are starting to, to demand change there. And consumers are starting to demand change. So hopefully that changes. But, you know, the the woman that's making your shirt is the one getting shorted there. And she's not able to meet her basic needs while she's working, you know, 12 or 14 hour days. And that is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. I think um, I was having a conversation with some friends uh, this weekend who are in... Um, 
sort of the environmental sector. And they were saying, um, one of them works at Vanderbilt and they were saying, we were talking about small changes we can make in our lives to just positively impact the environment. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we know is really bad for the environment is styrofoam. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there were, we were just saying like small things you can do. And she said, your voice matters. And we get to stand up for what we want more of with our dollars. Like we get to vote with our dollars. And so she said that there's this company that they, there's this restaurant that they order from all the time. And like Vanderbilt is basically half of Nashville. Like, I mean, it's huge. The hospital, the school, the, I mean, it's just enormous in Nashville. And she called and she was going to place a lunch order, but she said, every time they send takeout to us, it's always in styrofoam containers. And she said, are you guys going to change that sometime soon? And she said, if you don't, we're not going to order from you anymore. Right. And the person said, is that Vanderbilt's stance on this? And like, no, but (laughs) maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So she goes, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what she said. Definitely it Definitely, is. Definitely, for sure it is. Um, I, I don't think, I don't know who the president of Vanderbilt overall is, but I don't know if there was a decree that came yeah. down about that. But she was like, yeah, I mean, we're not going to, my department, we're, we're not going to order from you anymore. They changed it. That's and that's incredible. amazing because that would be huge losses for them yeah. if if they lost that business. And right. so we get to vote with our dollars about what companies grow. And, and, it, and it, if enough of us are saying, you know, we're going to buy from people who are making clothes ethically and um, sustainably companies that are bigger that don't do that are going to have to, are going to have to change. And in the meantime, we get to take that money, that $36 for a t-shirt, and we get to know that by buying that, part of that is an investment in a woman. And that's amazing that you get to buy a great shirt or a great bag and know that part of it is an investment in your own wardrobe and hopefully something you'll keep for a long time. But also a lot of that is going towards a woman, which means it's going towards her kids and her community and her family and everything. Yeah. It's a win, win, win. It's just... That's really, really cool. So Jordan, I know that um, a lot of the women listening, you know, we work in all kinds of different jobs and we do have lots of amazing women in missions or ministry who are part of our community, but we also have a lot of women who aren't working in quote unquote, again, Christian environments, and they're not really sure how to share their faith or show up as a believer in that sphere, how to make a difference in their work environment. So I know that you work with a lot of amazing people who are Christians, but with a lot of people who aren't. And I know that you have have really made an enormous impact um, in people's lives in, again, quote unquote, secular environments with your faith. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So Abel is a really special place to work because there are people from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds. And, you know, I think it's important to remember that you can learn from anyone and you can see Jesus anywhere. And so what I think about is, you know, be yourself. People appreciate you for being you um, and treating people with kindness and respect, no matter what they believe in the workplace is so, so important. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, taking time to get to know the people around you. It's not as much, you know, like you giving them the opportunity to talk and, you know, get to know them in a really deep way is really, really important. And that's the best way that you can be a light to people. You can have those, you know, intimate conversations, or maybe it's like, 
it doesn't even have to be a, you don't have to get really close with them and have an intimate conversation. It can even just be like, hey, you did a really good job on that today. That is being a light to people. And that's really important. And I think that I really believe that the Lord has given us talents and kind of like what you were saying about, you know, journalism and who else could reach Katie Couric. Like, Lord has given you talents and those talents allow you to be around a certain group of people and no one else could love those people or serve those people or work with those people like you could. And so using, you know, your platform or your work environment to be a light to those people, get to know them, give them the opportunity to speak up or ask you questions or you ask them questions. How do I know that you went through this. How did you deal with that? Is so, so important. I think that when we, as Christians, I think we feel this immense pressure to like what we should be doing. I feel like I need like an air quote button because I'm just using them a lot. But what we should quote unquote be doing is telling everybody about Jesus. Mm. But if we reverse that and we think about walking into work someday, not knowing him and having someone say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Like, Shuts not it off, maybe. Totally does. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's not, that's not going to change anything for anybody. Right. I think that, you know, someone becoming a believer, someone finding out that God loves them is such a process. And I think that we each play a different part in the process. And we don't know what our part is necessarily, but like, I think it's, it's like in each of our walks, we have a moment where, where slowly but surely our heart is softening and our heart softens by different things. It's walking, it's, it's meeting someone who's really kind to you. Mm -hmm. Maybe you are, maybe you think that Christians are all super judgmental jerks. And then you meet three in a row who aren't trying to convert you. They're just really kind and warm to you. Yeah. That softens things. And maybe those people aren't the people who ever tell you anything about Jesus, but they really set like set up the yeah. the person who ends up ha- being there for that conversation way down the line. Yeah. And I've learned to really pay attention to to my coworkers and where they're at. Some of them, you know, might be incredibly offended if I were like Hey, you know, all of a sudden evangelizing. Um, but it, you know, it's kind of like dating someone and like first date saying, I love you. It's like too yes. soon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and so pay attention. Some people, you know, through the course of of our work relationship might just need to be really respected and not bothered, you know, quote unquote. Yes. (laughs) Um, And then some people you might, you know, over time get to a place where you can talk about, you know, a deeper subject. I've gotten that, gotten to that place with some of my coworkers and it's really sweet. And, you know, we have our jewelers in Nashville. A lot of them are missional hires. So they come from different backgrounds. They're, um, you know, that they've dealt with anxiety or depression or um, substance abuse. So it's really sweet to be in a place where I'm having a conversation with them. And, you know, hopefully I'm encouraging them, but they're pouring so much into me. And I'm like floating out of work, you know, <laughs> because I just try to make an effort to get to know the people around me and um, kind of feel out what they need. And I think that's a way that you can really be a light in whatever environment that you're in. 
I love that. I love that. I think so often we go in thinking, okay, if I'm doing this right as a Christian, I'm going to go in and tell everybody about Jesus. And we go in guns blazing. Yeah. But the thing is, that's like not, that's walking in and proposing marriage to everybody. Right. Like, yeah. Really a lot. Yeah. Um, when friendship is like kindness and respect and friendship and getting to know somebody and asking them questions about their life and, bringing them lunch or being there for them on a hard day. Those are the things that you're exactly right. That is being a light. And maybe after some time and after some trust is built up, there's a moment where it's the perfect time. And you know, this is the moment where I'm supposed to tell this person that God loves them. Yeah. Maybe that moment happens or maybe somebody else gets to tell them that God loves them. But, but you have just loved them like crazy in in the whole, in in all the time leading up to that. So I feel like I, I love that. It's, Instead of us thinking, how do I tell someone about Jesus? I think, how do I show how do kindness? I be Jesus? How do I be Jesus? Yeah. How, how do I show kindness to this person? How do I befriend them? Um, and I think that if we go in thinking that, it makes the whole thing less awkward for us and actually more game-changing for them. We all, whether whatever we believe, wherever we you know land, we all need people to be kind to us and right. we all need to know that we matter and that we're loved. And you get to be the one to show someone that. Yeah. Um, so Jordan, I know that we, I know we have a lot of women in our community who are trying to figure out what their thing is and, um, maybe their gifts and their talents, they, they've sort of written themselves off because they don't seem to fit in the like Christian mold. What would you say to women who are, who are trying to figure out what their thing is? What's a place they can start? Yeah. I always say get experience. Just, you know, if you like organizing things, then I would find anyone in your city that, you know, maybe they're professional closet organizer, if that's a job, but, you know, find people in that industry and talk to them and get experience and, and work really hard and figure out, first of all, is this, is this what I like? Is this what I want to go for? Um, and as you get experience, you might learn that you like something completely different and that's okay, but you will, you will start to figure out like, Oh, when I did that, I felt really alive. I did that really well. And I think I might've done that, you know, better than other people in the room, or that made me feel really purposeful. And those are important things to pay attention to. I think that kind of tells you though, that's kind of going to point out the gifts that the Lord really gave you that you can own. And those gifts are important, no matter what industry you're in you know, I, I think that God gave you those gifts for a purpose and only you can, can be the light or, um, find your purpose there. I love that so much. I, so what I hear you saying is, is look at your interests. Like if you are, feel some sort of joy when you're organizing your own closet or when you're helping somebody else plan a trip or when you are taking care of someone or when you're around kids or when you're whatever, that's, that is a sign pointing to something. And maybe it's a sign pointing to a hobby, but maybe it's a sign pointing to either a career or maybe a piece of that. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's, maybe you don't become a professional closet organizer, but you really like putting, bringing order out of chaos. And that's, Something really there are a lot to of attention to. places that need help there. <laughs> Goodness, <laughs> yeah. yes. But and so then I think a lot of times what we do is 
it's a little bit like, I don't know, online dating. Yeah. You're scrolling through an app and you're looking at all these guys and you're thinking, you know, trying to figure out, is this guy the one for me when you haven't even had a conversation yet? Yeah. At some point you have to start talking and go on a date before you're ever going to know if this person's right for you. And right. I think a lot of times when it comes to our passions or our careers, we just sort of sit there flipping through, you know, taking like quizzes on what career is right for you. Right. And we never try it and you're never going to know until you get your feet wet in it. Yeah. And doing that self-reflection too, like, you know, don't just look at what's out there, but look at yourself. Like, what are you good at? What do you like doing? What does your personality kind of gravitate towards? Like the Enneagram to me was really, really helpful. The Enneagram is a personality test. I don't know if you've talked about this. We have we did a whole episode on it. Guys, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah. But, um, I am an eight on the Enneagram, which is a, uh, the challenger and people, you know, it's not the most popular personality on the whole, um, spectrum. Like, although I would say, I think everyone thinks that about their own one. Yeah, that's true. And I love eights. Like I, just I, as I a too. rule, I love eights. This but is so confusing to people, anyone who hasn't taken this some test. Some people get <laughs> a little bit scared, it. but just think about the name of it. Challenger, you know, you don't always like the person who's, you know, fighting everything that you're saying. <laughs> um, but I always found that my personality was like that. And um, the Enneagram kind of helped me validate how I was feeling and then think about how it can make myself better in that. But, you know, that description of the Challenger, it's, makes me better at my job. It actually is very accurate for me. And the reason that I can be the fashion director is because I can kindly say, no, I don't like that. Yeah. But have you thought about doing it this way instead of, you know, no, (laughs) not good. Start over. Um, Whereas I would be like, I love it. (laughs) Sounds good. I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know, doing that internal assessment to whatever kind of, um, personality test or whatever quiz. Strength <laughs> those finder. Are all, yeah. Those are all Things really, like really helpful tools to just show you what you're good at. Yeah. And you can also, something that's really illuminating is asking your people, ask your parents. Yeah. My mom told me the other day and I was like, why didn't you tell me this earlier? My mom told me the other day that I did some sort of test growing up of maybe like 10 and I don't remember why I, you know, she did some sort of, um, I had some sort of testing done and some of the results said that I was an entrepreneur. I was 10. Oh my God. 10. And I'm like, mom, why didn't you tell me that? I just, I didn't, it didn't occur to me that maybe starting something on my own was something that I was really sort of predisposed um, to do. And so ask your parents, ask your friends, think about what people ask for your help about. If you, I am not the person that you ask for, for help about style, but Jordan is, and that's, that's indicative of something. So I love that. Just do some reflection and ask your people what you're good at. And it's kind of an awkward question to ask, but the results are really cool when you hear from people. Yeah. Jordan, do you have any just last encouragement for, for women who might be thinking, I, you know, I have some interests, I have some skills. I just am not sure that they fit in the kingdom of God. I just would love just kind of a last just charge from you. Yeah. I, um, I've been there before and really reflected on, you know, the things that I loved and, you know, said, oh, I feel like this is such a a worldly passion and it's not, it doesn't fit in the cliche. And the Lord very clearly said, 
I gave you that gift. That is from me. And lean into that. You know, I, I think anything that you're you're passionate about, that is a gift that he's given you to discover and lean into. And so it's okay if it doesn't perfectly fit. The story is never just, you know, a straight line. You might like squiggle around a little bit and that's fine. That's beautiful. That's part of your story. And all the things that you're doing to get to that place, your goal, career, maybe they're preparing you for what's to come. And so you know, if you're in a job that you're not stoked about right now, you're learning something that is really, really important. Mm -hmm. And you're also in a place where you're able to invest in people well, the people around you that you might not always have that avenue. And so lean into it and um, the Lord will reward you for that. I love that. So Jordan, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is I heard a little rumor that you have an ABLE discount code just for our Girls Night listeners. Yes, we do. Yeah. So we have a discount code. It's 20% off. And yeah, so you can start, you can make your first step into the ethical fashion world if you so choose, but it's 20% off and the code is Girls Night. Love it. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. And do I get to use that too? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm done. I have some, I have my eye on some jeans. Yeah. You, to become you need to come back to the store and, and hang out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Carl's going to be like, again, again. <laughs> yeah. Keep her away. <laughs> Seriously. Jordan, no. Okay. Jordan, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for being here. And just thank you for your encouragement and for all that you're doing for um, just women all over the world. You're making an enormous impact and I'm so honored to be your friend. Thank you. Well, I'm honored to be here. You guys, isn't Jordan amazing? I just love what she does and I love her heart for women all over the world. Friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the very best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It won't send you an email or anything like that. It just makes sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take one quick second to ask y'all a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help our podcast out so much. It really would mean the world to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I would be so grateful. Friends, thanks so much for joining me for Girls' Night, and I will see you next week.